Coming up on Catherine Ruinala. Had I not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why could he say that? Because he knew the Lord is his shepherd. The Lord is the one who will lead him through. It might be dark, it might be difficult, but I, I won't lose hope because I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because I am not doing this alone. I am walking with the Lamb of God who is the Good Shepherd who is leading me and guiding me. Hallelujah. Therefore, I will fear no evil. nothing that the Lord can't do. God wants us to dream big dreams because Christ in you wants to touch the world around you. This isn't my doing. This isn't something I've earned. It's the goodness of God. It's the grace of God. And I believe that I am now anointed and qualified, not because I've earned it, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, a lot of people know the 23rd Psalm. It's just a magnificent, um, the most famous Psalm in the Bible. But I want you to take uh, time with me today to, to let the Holy Spirit speak freshly about this Psalm to you, because I believe there's treasures that God's got for you. As I go to pray and uh, as I do pretty much every day, I pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven. And sometimes I used to wonder, uh, what, why can't I just pray my Father? I mean, I'm all by myself, God. Nobody else is in the room. It's just you and me. I want this to be personal. And it feels a bit strange to say our Father. Until I began to realize that when we pray our Father, it's so deeply personal it's for me, it's become almost like a secret lover's code word with me and Jesus. Because when the disciples saw how Jesus would go and refresh himself with the Lord, where he'd have this incredible prayer life, they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said to them, Well, when you pray, pray like this Our Father, my Father and your Father. And so every time I say, our Father, I'm reminded Jesus himself has personally invited me to have a relationship with the Father like he has. That, oh, I come, our Father, my Father and Jesus' Father, oh, there you are. And he's right there. It's one of the things that gives me greatest joy. One of the things that's on the top of my list for Thanksgiving, that every time I say, our Father, you're right there. Oh, I can boldly come before the throne of grace. And I, I don't have to stand there feeling like a bit of an outsider who's, you know, technically allowed to be there, but really doesn't deserve it. I can come before him in faith, believing that Jesus, this one who's invited me to say, come and say, our Father with me, is there saying, I 
have done everything that needs to be done for you to be able to come boldly before the throne of grace. I died, I was buried, I rose again, I paid the price, laid down my life because I'm the good shepherd and I've given you righteousness, I've given you freedom and I can come before the Father now, stand in His presence and speak to Him with a holy confidence that I can, sa- I can do it by faith knowing that He is better than I feel like I deserve. That even if my heart condemns me, He's greater than my heart, the Bible says, that I belong, that I am loved. Uh, You know I love to speak life, to call those things that be not as though they are, to make declarations. And Psalm 23 is a pure declaration that you and I can pray, that you and I can agree with, that you and I can speak out. And so it begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you've got, depending on the translation you've got, the, um, the publisher may have inserted a a title of the psalm, and some of them will say it's the Good Shepherd. We know from the New Testament that Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And he, we need to know that truth. He is the Good Shepherd, that he is, he is the one who is through and through good. You might have been in places where they, we've heard over the years, everyone gets Uh, encouraged to say, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And, And we think, yes, okay, get that basic. But a lot of people don't actually get that, that he is all the time good. I grew up, when I was in my early 20s, I was in a, in a church where, I, and some of you may have heard this story. I was told that in the Middle East, Shepherds actually use their staff to break the legs of, of wayward sheep so that they would have their legs broken. Then they'd put them around their shoulders and carry them. And then as the leg would heal, the sheep would get bonded to the shepherd and they'd never leave again. Have you ever heard that story? I, I Googled it. I researched it. I looked it up everywhere I could find it. Do you know there is actually no historical evidence of that happening anywhere in the Middle East or anywhere else. It is a total urban myth that actually William Branham preached back in the 1940s and it's been repeated and repeated to generation after generation as though it's true. I think it might be fake news. (laughs) He's the good shepherd. And, and actually, when, you, when I, read, I read a lot about this, shepherds would say sheep are actually really smart animals. That if you hurt them, they will remember. That is bad, shepherd. God is good, shepherd. God doesn't come along and break your leg to make you want and love him more. If you do break your leg or if you do get hurt, he will leave the 99 to come after you. He'll pick you up. He will carry you. He will look after you. But he came to give life and life more abundant. And the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. So just a little 
personal annoyance when people misrepresent my good shepherd. Hallelujah. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Hallelujah. He is a good shepherd. He is for you. In fact, it's the revelation that changed my life. That every time I come to, to come to him, when I come to worship, I struggled so much with trying to deal with feelings of condemnation. Like I couldn't really just be that good all the time. I mean, I don't deserve it. I, I shouldn't, wouldn't it be more sensible or even more loving of God to be a little, show me a little bit of his displeasure with me, um, you know, if I've misbehaved. I mean, that's what, that's what I thought God should be like. But in fact, I have discovered consistently that when I come to him feeling like a hypocrite and feeling like he should be cranky, and I said, oh God, I'm sorry, I messed up, oh God, here I am, oh, here I am, I'm worshiping you, I'm feeling so, so hypocritical, God. And he's there, the father of the prodigal son, always running towards us with his eyes shining bright, calling for a party and a robe and a ring and shoes and saying, the whole kingdom, I give you the kingdom. And he doesn't just do it when we first get saved. That is who he is every single day. So every time I come to him, he is always happy to see me. In fact, he's looking at me with overwhelming delight all the time when I come to him. The Bible tells us here, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I use this as a declaration, but I also use this to wage warfare with when I'm feeling afraid or discouraged. And um, Mark and I had this discussion just the other day. I, I, I sh the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Anytime that you're feeling like, oh, but, but, you know, what if this person leaves us? Or what if, what if this happens? Or, you know, oh, if this is going on, what, what are we going to do? That is a perfect opportunity to remind ourselves the Lord is our shepherd. We will not, we will not want. We will not. doesn't mean we won't want something. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you won't be in lack. You won't miss out on anything because God will provide for you. The Lord is your shepherd. He will take care of you. Psalm 27 is one of my favorite psalms too. I quite like the psalms if you haven't noticed. Psalm 27, there's a beautiful verse there, David writes, that when my father and father forsake me, you will take care of me. He had such a revelation of the Lord is my shepherd. He will take care of me. Doesn't matter what's going on. Though a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, I will not fear for you are with me. Hallelujah. That's Psalm 91, by the way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You can, you can put it all together and you suddenly get a picture of who our God is. Hallelujah. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, re he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And this picture of God, this one who takes us when we're overwhelmed, 
When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. When we come to him for help, when we, when we lean on him, he says he leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Do you know rest is a good thing? Rest is a good thing. I have to remind myself I'm not smarter than God. God said, one in seven, rest, rest. So I have to be, and um, my PA is really helpful. <laughs> Katie will remind me, today is your Sabbath, rest. Because I have to take a day off each week because I'm often speaking at conferences on a Saturday, ministering on a Sunday, and then I go hard all week. But I have to pick a day where I'm going to, okay, I'm not going to I'm not going to work. I'm going to intentionally rest. And it's not, it's not a, uh, isn't she wonderful working so hard? It's actually, isn't she disobedient not doing what God says, which is to rest once a week? Anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know, this for me is so important. My soul can often get churned up with drama and the things that go on and the problems and the issues and just things that need to be sorted out. Sometimes there's really big things that are deep pain. I've had times where I have cried till I can cry no more. Literally just that. Deep, deep pain, deep, deep cries, deep groanings. And, and the Holy Spirit has been there. He interprets my tears. He understands. He'll put his arm around me. He's always been there. He'll give me a rhema word in the midst of my absolute despair. He'll speak a word that I can hold on to that'll bring me through. Hallelujah. But God restoring our soul isn't just for the deeply terrible, difficult times. You know, in this world, we do have trouble. But take heart, he's overcome the world. Hallelujah. If you're having trouble, don't go worrying about, what have I done wrong? Am I out of the will of God? You're in the world. And in the world, you'll have trouble. But take heart, he's overcome the world. Hallelujah. And we, have, we, we can trust him. But there are days, every day, I need my soul restored in that I just need him to bring peace to the storm. I need him to restore my perspective. I need him to remind me the truth that it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That remind me of the truth of who I am in him and who he is. And I often will literally actually get down on the ground sometimes when I need to really remind myself of this. And I'll, I'll go belly up before the Lord and go, okay, God, you lead me beside still waters. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside the still waters and you restore my soul. I'm here. Restore my soul. And he does. He'll come and he'll minister peace. He'll speak hope. And as I worship him, the things of earth, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's like Psalm 131 that says, Lord, my heart's not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I trouble myself with weighty matters or things too difficult for me. 
Surely, I have, like a weaned child, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Hope in God, Israel. I, I love that little psalm because for me, it's this place where I've been troubling myself with weighty matters and things that I don't understand. Why God? Why? When God? When? How God? How? No, no, no. What's going on? No, no, no. And then he says, Here, it's, here's what I want you to do. Come with me. I'm going to lead you to beside the still waters. I'm going to help you calm and quiet your soul. <sighs> Breathe. Lie down. Look at me. Come in close for a cuddle like a weaned child on its parents' lap. Just let me put my arms around you. <sighs> let me love you until my perfect love casts out all fear and once again, hope rises up in your heart and you begin telling everybody, hope in God. God restores our soul. He wants every day to be your helper. He doesn't expect you to go until you break. He is there every day to give you the strength that you need to restore your soul. The Bible says even youths grow tired and weary and faint, but those that wait upon the Lord shall mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. What is that? Those that come and put their hand in the hand of the good shepherd and allow him to lead them beside the still waters, to make them lie down in the green pastures so that he can minister to them. Hallelujah. He restores my soul. He restores my perspective. Hallelujah. Then it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What a declaration. I love that one. I'm, I'm living in that this week. It's like, oh, yes, God. You, my helper, the one I love, you are there. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is there. I can hold your hand and trust you to lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. So in my conversation today with this one coming up, Lord, I declare you lead me in paths of righteousness that I would speak with the wisdom from heaven. Lord, you said if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask and you'll give it to him. So Father, I I'm asking, give me wisdom, God, where I don't even know where I need it. Give me wisdom, Lord, and lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, Father, you're going to do that. Oh, it's going to go well. Hallelujah. Who should I ask? What should I do? Show me what to do, Lord. And I know I don't have to ask as a beggar, but I can ask in absolute confidence that the good shepherd, the Lord my shepherd, will do what he says he will do. He will lead me in paths of righteousness today. He will help me make the right decisions. He will fill my mouth with words that are pure and lovely and of a good report. Hallelujah. I hope you're catching how I pray this because you can do it too. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, in this world, we do have trouble. There are difficult things that we have to walk through. But when I walk through the difficult times, when I walk through those places where I can't see, where I don't understand what is going on, 
Like David says in Psalm 27, I would have lost heart had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Why could he say that? Because he knew the Lord is his shepherd. His, the Lord is the one who will lead him through. It might be dark, it might be difficult, but I, I won't lose hope because I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because I am not doing this alone. I am walking with the Lamb of God who is the good shepherd who is leading me and guiding me. Hallelujah. Therefore, I will fear no evil. And that as I'm... Oh God, this is hard, this is difficult. Oh God. Instead of having to give in to despair or fear, there is within me this, mm, I know my Redeemer lives and I know that he makes everything work together for the good of those who love him and according to, according to his purpose. That's me. And so he is working this out for my good. And in fact, he is going to give me double recompense for the trouble that I've been walking through, that he makes this work for good. So Father, I'm trusting you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff aren't to, to whack me and, and hurt me. Your rod and your staff are to beat off my enemies and rescue me and pick me up anytime I fall. Hallelujah. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's cheeky, hey. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He takes us deeper here. Where he says, not only shall you not be in want, I'm going to lay a banqueting table for you in the presence of your enemies. And I'm going to go further. I'm going to anoint you with fragrant oil and your cup is going to overflow. Abundance, overflowing, blessing. This is your shepherd, your good God who delights to take care of you. And it doesn't make you arrogant. It makes you worship God because it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Hallelujah. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When it says surely, it's not like we say surely. Oh, surely this should happen. As though this is, no, surely is, is the way it should really be expressed for us is that without any doubt, with certainty, I know this. With certainty, I know this, goodness, mercy, loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And following doesn't mean lagging behind somewhere. It actually means chasing you to take you, to, to grab a hold of you. It means pursuing you. We sing it, your goodness will, is running after, running after me. It's Psalm 23. Pursuing you. 
The Bible also says that he will surround you with his favor as with a shield. So if you're wondering why hasn't goodness and mercy caught me yet, it's actually already surrounding you and you can make a declaration, goodness and mercy, loving kindness is surrounding me. The favor of the Lord is upon me. The more I declare it, the more I put my faith in the truth of what he says, the more I experience and make room for that to manifest in my life. He feeds us from his table, but he doesn't open your mouth and make you chew it. He presents it before you like a banqueting table, say, come eat. All of these promises are invitations waiting for our response. It's, it's, not, it's not something he will force upon you. It's something that he invites you to put your faith in and begin to receive. So when we hear those prophetic words, uh, that's why you see me there going, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word. I want to have a response to everything that God says because I don't want to be a casual observer that says, that's nice. I want to be a participant in the fullness of what God has for my life. Hallelujah. My cup overflows. I want to be living in the overflow of drinking deeply from the river of his pleasure for me. He, he promises me in, in Ephesians 3, that beautiful apostolic prayer that you know I pray all the time, is he fills me to overflowing with all his fullness. It's an invitation waiting for your response. Okay, here I am, God. Give me wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Ephesians 1. Lord, strengthen me with might in my inner being so that I may know together with all the saints what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Oh God, give me revelation of you living in my heart by faith. Oh God, fill me to overflowing with all your fullness that I might Break out in a song that says, now unto you who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask, hope or imagine. To you be glory in the church. As you start to grab a hold of the word of God, take it personally. Start to pull it into your life by praying it, declaring it, speaking it. You will enter into the divine dance of supernatural righteousness, peace and joy, where in Him you live and move and have your being. For too long, the church has been deceived into knowing about it, but not actually engaging with it. It's time to get up and eat. It's time to take hold of what God has taken hold of for us. Hallelujah.